Greetings to the 12 tribes and all the broads. Shabbat Shalom and welcome to this blessed Sabbath as we teach and speak unto the nations. What a blessing. Thank you to all of you guys out there that do support the channel with your tithes and offerings and your gifts. We truly, truly are blessed in these, these last days. Remember, if you like the teaching, give us some thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. And Shabbat Shalom, all of you guys and broads in the chat out there. So behave yourself, edify one another. Let's dive into Revelation chapter 6. This is Revelation 6b. We're going to look at four things as we delve in today. And I pray Yahweh give me the words by the Ruach HaKodesh to speak into this generation of which we all are amazingly a part. And what a time and what a place to live in. Am I going to get those lovely red lights today? Blessings, blessings. We're going to look at four things as we delve into the text of Revelation chapter 6. We're going to look at how to unlock the seals. How to unlock the seals. And to do that, we need to understand, I touched on it last week, want to introduce you to it again this week, the four very profound things that are the foundation of getting that key into the hole so that we can get ready to turn and unlock. We've got to make sure that key has got that four-pointed prong so that it even fits in the lock. If it doesn't have the right prong, it won't even go into the lock, let alone turning it and unleashing the blessed content within. Number one, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh of Revelation was rejected in the days of Ezekiel. And it traveled, it departed and went over the Kidron Valley to the east and settled waiting for the time of Yahusha. Number two, Yahusha came along and then he offered the spirit and mind of Yahuwah. The spirit and mind of Yahuwah is the key, the second prong to unsealing, loosing, or binding, locking. And number three, Yahusha's offer was also likewise rejected, just as Ezekiel's offer was rejected. And number four, the rejected offer of unsealing the scroll was then placed into the hand of the Father, only to be later taken out of the right hand, Revelation chapter 1 through chapter 5, verse 16, and placed into the hand of the Son to be loosed to those that will accept 
the invitation. Let's look at those four things and then dive right into the text of chapter 6. Number one, we were looking at the Holy Spirit of Revelation rejected and thus departed eastward in the time of Ezekiel. Chapter 11, verse 23 of Ezekiel. And the cavod, the glory of Yahweh, went up from the midst of the city and stood upon that mountain, Olivet, which we know was the master's mountain, which is on the east side of the city. Number two, Yahusha then makes the offer to the spirit and mind of Yahweh, the second prong on the key in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, and Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind, lock on earth, shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou loose, unlock on earth, shall be loosed, unlocked in heaven. Verily I say to you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is the second prong to the four-stem prong of the key to unlock the revelation. The key to the seals is the key to loose or bind the seven seals. Being able to unlock or... If you reject it, it'll be locked unto you, the seals of revelation. And number three, we find his offer was, of course, rejected. Yahushua's blessed offer was rejected, just as Ezekiel's blessed offer was rejected. You stiff-necked, stubborn people. And today, as this message goes out, most, sadly, will reject it. Because of the trenches and ruts and muddy tire tracks of theology in which we are stuck. And it's easier to be stuck in the muddy tire tracks where you don't have to steer out of it than actually try and get up out of it. Today is the challenge for me and for you to get up out of those muddy tracks those muddy tracks in our mind, those doctrines, those rutted doctrines of ideology and theology. Yahushua's offer was rejected. The seals were bound. They were locked in Luke 23, verse 34. Then said Yahushua, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Of course, we know that Daniel knew the prophetic outcome. Daniel 9, verse 24, and Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, seal up the vision of prophecy. Seal up the vision of prophecy and to anoint the most holy. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, seal the scroll even to the time of the end, until now. So what happens next? What happens next? Finally, here we are in the fourth key, and this is it. Luke 23, verse 34. And when Yahushua had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands 
I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the spirit. So the spirit which Yahushua offered was rejected. And therefore he commended his spirit, the offer of unlocking the seals, the revelation into the hands of the father until as Daniel the prophet said, in the time of the end, he will take it from the right hand of him who is on the throne to which he commended it. And then he will offer it in finality to a people that are willing to receive it. Is that you and me today? Because Daniel said it would be to the people at the time of the end. Which of course leads us to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. We who are kept by the power of Yahweh through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In the last time. You see, there's two types of salvation. Salvation from eternal destruction that comes by the blessed Lamb alone. But there is salvation from the destruction to come upon this wicked, wicked world. And that salvation is only going to be revealed in the last time through the unsealing of the scroll. And it will only be delivered into the hands of those who accept its invitation. We are being kept. We are being guarded by the Lamb unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. I see it. Do you see it? Do you believe it? Look at this first seal now in Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. We are now going to look at the unlocking. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, and it was the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come. In the Hebrew, the word there is bow, and it really means go. It's the sending off of the apocalyptic equestrians, if you will. But it's not come. The Hebrew word there is bow. It can mean come. But it usually means, and the context is, as if you were slapping the backside of the horse with the whip, go! And the horse rides off, bow, go and see. And Revelation chapter 6 verse 2, And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. You see, this is the trouble. And here's the trouble. And the trouble is, lo, is the Christ, or lo, he is there. Believe him not. The Christ embraced today, my brethren, I find not in chapter and verse. The disciples I find floating around in theological circles cannot be counted, cannot be numbered, because people are not checking chapter and verse. 
What kind of Messiah are you trying to present to me? We have a clip. What kind of Messiah? You know, this is a great role for me because originally I was going to take the last temptation, but since they wound up giving it to William, he's a good guy, you know, and that's cool. And, you know, on the set here, I really am Jesus all day. I mean, I'm a method actor and, you know, it works for me. It really does. I, uh, I couldn't feel better about a group of people. Um, they're just the best. They, uh... I mean, I feel, I feel the role. I really do. It's, it's come right, through right. me. We're ready for you. It's just, uh, right. like no other role right. I've done. Jesus uh, Christ! Yes. Spray, spray like the weird. Just, just, well, what do you tell them look like? It's coming through a storm. It's been a storm. I do. Spray, spray. Come on, is this boat ready or what? They won't spray. I mean, it's got to be wet. It's, it's got wet. To be... The sun's come out. It's no, dried no. up all the rain, okay? Bob, oh, what? Bob, it's what? Fighter. Bob, well, yes, Bob. the boat is ready. Peter said the boat was already well, ready. Well, then it's ready. ready. We have the disciples. Turn that water around. Yes, disciples in, please. All the disciples to the set. Let's go. Hurry it up. Let's go. Everyone in. Let's go. Get the sunglasses off. Take out the cigarettes. Let's go. You're disciples. This is not the modern times now. Let's get in the boat. Let's start to look amazed. Jesus is coming soon. What do you mean it's a set? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Is that it? Is that all we have? That's what you ordered. You ordered eight. We got eight. Okay, just a second. Stand by, please. Helen, how many disciples did the script say that we need? It just says his. His disciples sit in the boat. Yeah, well, I think there's a, more than eight. Just a second. Well, Marvin, how many disciples are there? I don't know. Okay, look. Okay, Matthew, Peter, Paul, Mary, Mary. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. How, okay, how, how many disciples did Jesus have? You got a Bible? Bible? Does anybody have a Bible? We need a Bible here! Bible! Clyde, I think it was like ten, right? Ten disciples, that, that sounds right. You're Catholic, right, Stu? Okay. okay. Yeah, it was ten. It was ten. Okay, good. Well, I need two more disciples. We don't have two more disciples, Well, I can't shoot it without You can shoot it with... I can't. Look, there's a bunch of guys in the boat. biblically inaccurate. Make it work. It's theologically fraudulent for me to just have... Jennifer! You got any more wardrobe back there? You got any extra? Get me two PAs. Yeah, I think I can scratch something up. Misidentification, Bible mirroring and imagery is of Satan's kingdom. And most today wouldn't know the Messiah if he stood in front of them because they have been affected by the culture. They've been affected by the message. And I'm talking the Bible, the message. They've been affected by our modern world. Yet Yahweh sits upon the throne and his son is revealed through the pages of scripture by the revelation of the Ruach HaKodesh. This first seal 
has been misidentified by the ruts and muddy tracks of theology that we have all been stuck in. They are dreadfully mistaken. They are salvifically mistaken if they believe that this rider on the horse is the anti-Messiah. This is the Lamb of Yahweh that rides forth with an invitation to his bride to come in to the banquet hall and receive the protection from judgment that is going to subsequently ride out with the second, the third, and of course, the apocalyptic equestrians go forth to the nations. This is the final offer. It's called the invitation to the hedgerows of the marriage supper of the word. I cannot go along with the theology that I was taught. I cannot stay in the ruddy, muddy ruts of theology, even though I know, and I do know this today, that if you try and steer your cart out of muddy ruts, it is going to be very difficult, and it will be very objectionable to most who want to stay in the rutted groove. I fully anticipate that. But I cannot, cannot go with theology when there are multitudes of scriptural verses that show us from the covenant forward that this is an invitation to come into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Remember, the theology that many of us have got stuck in in days of yesteryear comes from a Christendom that rejects the commandments of Yahuwah, has forsaken his holy Sabbath and feasts, and synchronized the faith with papal paganism. And that theology tells us that this rider is not the Messiah because he wears a Stephanos, a crown of victory, which would be the crown of a military conqueror. Therefore, this must be the Antichrist, as theology says. Because the crown, they say, worn by the true Messiah in Revelation 19 is not a Stephanos, a crown of victory, but it is a diadema, a crown of royalty. And thus, the two contrasting crowns that are communicated in the Greek language demonstrate that one must be the anti-Messiah and the other the true Messiah. What? A bunch of linguistic poppycock theology and muddy ruts that I will not stay in. I clamber out this day before you all and expect many to object to having to steer the path by the Ruach Kakodesh instead of stay in a rut where you don't have to steer because it will lead you headlong into destruction. This is a time where we have seen even the messianic movement inherit the theology of Christendom. They play the Jew, but they also find themselves in a place of rejecting the new covenant because they reject the priesthood of Melchizedek as being pertaining to them 
alive today. Hebrews chapter 8 tells us in the sixth verse, it is for us today. We know that the book of the covenant was given as Torah on the basis of better promises. But the messianic movement has embraced the synagogue of Satan, which is all part of the Christo-Zio setup of Levitical sacrifice. And they have led the unsuspecting questioner down the garden path to confusion and disillusion. They say the rider is not Yahusha, but anti-Messiah, just like traditional theology would say thus revealing that they also are stuck in the mud of theology based upon a misunderstanding of the scripture. Well, who then is it? And the messianic movement would say, well, the Antichrist is Prince Charles and a cup of tea. There's a book out there called that, which was floated around in the late 90s in the messianic movement and early 2000s. Well, it's the Assyrian. Oh, it was Bashar Assar. Oh, it's um, Benjamin. Ne <laughs> That's the rider. Well, I'm not going to spend the day today talking to you about fantasy. The rider is the UN. The rider is the Council of Foreign Relations and all of that Zio mumbo jumbo based upon two different Greek words about a crown. I'll take you to the Bible text and demonstrate through the word that the rider, the lamb that comes forth on the white horse is none other than our Savior, Yahushua the Messiah, offering an offer to come in to the marriage supper of the lamb. And all of this will happen at our first Sukkot. This first seal is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The rider is the Lamb. What was offered and later rejected in the Torah at the Mount is now offered in finality to the Malkitzedic kingdom of priests, the only ones willing to get out of the muddy tire tracks. Yahweh will give his gift of grace that will be loosed with the first seal. His mind, his spirit to only those who are willing to accept the lamb and his gift that is given within the first seal. The first seal is the gift offered by the lamb of Yahweh. This is the same event that is expressed in Revelation 19. Remember when we opened up the book of Revelation, I said it as if John has taken us down into an orchestra pit. But that doesn't mean that just because he showed us the percuss percussion section first, that the percussion section is going to play first. This is an orchestra. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. The first seal is a bookend with Revelation 19, the bookend. They are both the same thing. And within it is a whole apocalyptic, literally a, an apocalyptic literary, excuse me, orchestra playing. 
between the bookends of the marriage supper of the Lamb, one event. This is key to our understanding of Revelation. Psalm chapter 45, now I build the foundation. I've set the premise. I've set the premise scripturally. I'm going to build your foundation. Psalm chapter 45, the premise. Revelation chapter 6, the first seal is Yahusha riding on a horse, offering the invitation to come in to a place of safety during the great tribulation so that you will be protected and blessed whilst outside the subsequent horses ride in judgment on those that reject the invitation. Religion has rejected the invitation because they are looking for the wrong Messiah. They believe that this is the anti-Messiah. They will reject the invitation and they will find the judgment that comes with the second horse. But those of us that are willing to get out of the tire tracks of theology and look at the scriptures and build the narrative in a Malkitzedic book of the covenant understanding from the Torah all the way forward, we will see, we the people from the hedgerows and the byways, those that are rejected will say, I want to come in. I want to come in. I see that this first seal is an invitation for protection from judgment of what is coming on this world. I'm coming in. I'm taking my family in. This is the invitation. This is it today. If you have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the congregation. This is spoken of everywhere. Psalm chapter 45, we see this invitation going forth. My heart is indica indicating a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made, touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. We have a king going out as a scribe with a scroll, as the pen of the ready writer has written the blessed invitation within the scroll. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Yes, Yahusha, the rider, the lamb, is fairer than the children of men. He is the blessed Savior to look upon him. Is grace poured into thy lips? You see, grace is found in the first seal. And judgment is found in all of the subsequent seals if you reject the first seal. Therefore, Yahweh has blessed thee. You see, his tongue reads the words of the scroll from the pen of the ready writer is what the psalmist is telling us here. And we now find in verse 3 of Psalm 44, guard thy sword upon thy thigh. Remember I told you Revelation 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he says in the 16th verse that Yahushua has what on his thigh? Of course, this is the blood dripping thigh, of course, in Revelation 19:16, And here we see he doesn't come back as a suffering servant, but a conquering king ready to lay slay to his enemy. Oh, mighty with the glory and the majesty in verse four. And in thy majesty, ride 
prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Of course, the right hand, Revelation chapter 1 through chapter 5, specifically chapter 5 verse 7. What hand does Yahusha take this scroll? What hand does the rider take this scroll from? None other than the right hand of him who sits upon the throne. Verse 5, thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. So here we see the meaning of the bow in Revelation chapter 6. We need to make the right choice. Is this the Messiah? Or is this the anti-Messiah? This is Yahusha, the lamb that rides forth. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, verse 6, O Elohim, is forever and ever. The scepter, this is the Malkid said scepter, the scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness. Malki, king, Zadachah, Zadak, righteousness, and hatest wickedness. Therefore, Elohim, thy Elohim, hath anointed Moshiach thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. This is the anointing of the Malkizedic priesthood with the salvific plan to get you through the great tribulation. Do you see the ready writer? Do you see the king? Do you see him riding out here? All thy garments smell of myrrh. John has a vision of what went before confirmed by the psalmists. He's not making some papal Greco-Roman fantasy up in his mind pulled out of the muddy tracks of theology based upon two different Greek words of a crown which you're going to hang your salvific plan upon? That's 18th century British bloody theology that has got imported to America, but really it's papal theology because they want you to accept their papal creed and we know that the Pope and all of that is behind the greatest abominations. They are setting you up to accept the black Pope. They're setting you up to accept what they're presenting as Messiah. The Bible tells us who the ready writer is, who it is that rides out on the horse, who has the keys to unlock our understanding. Verse 8, all thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. Kings and daughters were among thine honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in the gold of Ophir. Verse 10. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty. For he is thy master, and worship thou him. Verse 12. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. 
Her clothing is wrought. Her clothing, clothing wrought with gold. She shall be brought unto the king in the raiment of beautiful, exquisite needlework. The virgins, you mean the 144? Her companions, you mean the priesthood of Zedek, that follow her shall be brought unto thee into a place of safety. The marriage supper of the Lamb is being offered by the ready writer, the rider who can unseal the scroll and he unleashes the first seal. It's an invitation to come in to the place of safety. Verse 7, I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. Does Psalm 45 depict the marriage supper of the Lamb with the language and similitudes found within the first seal? That's the question I pose to you. Does it? In the text of Psalm 45, the king is anointed. He is made Christ. He is made Messiah. And he rides his horse triumphantly. So this figure must be the blessed lamb. And then he goes forth. After he has conquered his enemies. This is when the marriage feast takes place. There's an invitation that goes out. Revelation 6.1 Then those that reject it get all of the ensuing judgments of the apocalyptic equestrians but then those that are housed within the banquet they get to the bookend of revelation 19 of a celebratory feast and festival the king of psalm 45 is none other than the lamb of yahweh that was slain before the foundation of the world that rides out he is anointed he is made messiah and he rides his horse triumphantly after conquering his enemies the marriage feast takes place the lamb marries virgin daughters that is us the Zedek priesthood and has many children you galatians 3:16 who are the seed of abraham Scattered in the nations, those of us who have obtained the covenants of promise, Ephesians 2 verse 12, are those virgin daughters, those who are destined to rule with him on the earth. The marriage of the Lamb is the revealing. It is the revealing to the priests where you and I have the opportunity of obtaining unity today with the high priest and we will be found as those in revelation 19 and we will be upon horses also dressed in marriage garments so those of us who believe that yahushua ratified the book of the covenant and accept the first seal obtain unity as Zedek priests with our Zedek high priest and gain the mind and spirit of Yahweh to seal us through the great tribulation. Those 
that are stuck in the muddy tire tracks of theology will either embrace the papal messiah that will be presented to them because they'll say, oh no, this is the anti-messiah, reject him. And another one in the ensuing judgments will be presented to them, which they'll accept. You see? And then those in the messianic movement that are all into the Levitical hierarchy, they will, of course, reject Yahushua, the lamb going forth in the first seal, because he's offering a priesthood of which they do thus reject, and sacrifices of which they do thus reject. Because again, they'll be looking to Jerusalem, mystery Babylon. What is up is down. What is black is white. It's inverted from papal Rome and has been for centuries. It's an invitation to get out of the great tribulation. Not by a pre-tribulation rapture, but to a place of safety. The banquet hall of the blessed Lamb. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. Now, the fullness of these better promises are still to be revealed to his priesthood and they are contained within these seals. So Yahushua said, he did say that those that make light of this invitation to the marriage supper will be destroyed they will be burnt up because with the first seal, the lamb rides followed by his armies. And does Yahweh use secular armies to judge his people? Oh, yes. These apocalyptic equestrians that will bring forth judgment, the second, third, and subsequent riders, they're Yahweh's hammer. Anvil, just as Nebuchadnezzar was, because you rejected the first seal, because you fell for the trick. Only those who are in the fullness of the Lamb's new covenant will be bidden worthy to enter. For many are called, but few are chosen. To understand the revelation invitation of the seals, we have to understand this is the marriage supper of the Lamb invitation. Within this wedding invitation comes the blessing and honor, but also the judgment and condemnation and weeping and gnashing of teeth to those who reject its contents. Matthew chapter 22. Any who are indifferent to the Lamb riding forth here with the rejecting of the first seal will be marked for death as Yahweh makes war with those that reject the first seal, thereby marking themselves unsealed without the mark. Revelation tells us and Ezekiel chapter 9 tells us and therefore they will be destined for the second seal and the judgments that come. 
So the marking is accepting the invitation. When an invitation goes out by a king, it is stamped and sealed and marked. And you accept the mark and you come in to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's the mark of Yahuwah. But there's another mark because you reject the invitation of Revelation 1 excuse me, Revelation chapter 6, verse 1, the first seal, then you get the judgments that ride forth after. Does that make sense so far? Let's pause and take a sip from our sponsor. It's a lot to lay on you all at once. Look, Matthew chapter 13, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, who then, when he had found one pearl of great price, went out and sold all he had and bought it. Question, what is the one pearl of great price that you're willing just to sell everything you have and reach out and grab it? The one pearl of great price that is worth more than anything in this world is the first seal that the Lamb is offering. Is if you reject that pearl, you have nothing but judgment. This is the final pearl of great price. And has this account been absolutely corrupted and polluted by religion. I think the Mormons have totally corrupted this, right? I think they have a book called The Pearl of Great Price, which has got nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Again, smokescreens, lies and deception to blind the eyes. Blind the eyes. Weigh the cost of accepting the Lamb who rides forth, offering the kingdom of heaven within the first seal. It is the goodly pearl. It is the one pearl, the seal of great price. Most today we will find, very sadly, most will be unwilling to relinquish all to obtain it. So much so that most will think that the pair of balances are just too slighted, too expensive. What seal is that? That's the third seal. Now you're going to see it build. Now you're going to see it build. That the wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny, well, that's just too much to pay for accepting the lamb and his revelatory first seal. I can't pay that price. I can't pay that price. Surely these are unjust balances. These are unfair scales. It's not fair that those who officiate under the Malkizedic priesthood in the sacrificial rites of the lamb represented by the oil and the wine are protected. Is it? Well, why should they, who offer in the sacrificial Malkitzedic rites, be protected? Why should the oil and the wine, those Malkitzedic priests, be protected? That's too, the balance of the scales is unjust. 
because now they are out and they are seeing the consequences of their choice and the doors are closed to the first seal. They're in the third, they're in the fourth and suffering the consequences they're in. It just builds and builds, doesn't it, these seals? Look at it. The third seal, that black horse, that black apocalyptic equestrian is about counting the cost, isn't it? And it was far too much. And then they said, well, the scales were just unbalanced. It was weighted in the favor of the wine and the oil. Why should they be protected? That's not fair. This is just unjust. Why? Because they've rejected the first seal. A cost too high for most to count. Why? Why do we find this? Because Yahusha opens the first seal and he rides forth with revelation and an invitation. Rejecting the first seal and its rider equates to rejecting Yahusha and his Malkitzedic priesthood, his Malkitzedic book of the covenant, scroll of the covenant given as Torah on the basis of better promises. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6. This is the same figure. The lamb appears here in Psalm chapter 40, verse 7, opening the seals. Look at this. The lamb appears here, opening the seals. Revel um, Psalm 40, verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the scroll. It is written of me, the ready writer. I delight to do thy will, O Yahuwah. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached Zadakah, the Malkit Zadik, righteous priesthood, in the great congregation of the saints by the Holy Spirit. The Lamb comes with the scroll, Psalm 40, verse 7. His law, which is, of course, the book of the covenant, is within, and he has preached Zadak, Righteousness, Malki Zadak, as the king, Malki, preaches the Zadak in the great congregation. What great congregation? The great congregation of Revelation chapter 6. Most will reject it, but his own will accept it. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 10. Isaiah the prophet even foretold this very event. Look at Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 10. The lamb riding out in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 10 with a strong hand and in his arm his reward is with him. What is his reward? The first seal. That's his reward that is with him. He gathers his flock, those who accept the revelation that come in by invitation he asks all to measure the cost and he makes ready his final measure which is weighted, scaled and balanced, which is the third seal. Let's turn to Isaiah 40 verse 10. Behold, Adonai Yahuwah will come with a strong hand and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him that's the first seal, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd, the marriage supper of the lamb of which they have accepted the invitation. 
He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom during the great tribulation. And he shall gently, not with hunters, but with fishermen, he will gently lead those that are with young who have measured the waters. We've count the balance. We've weighed the balance. We've said, you know what? We reject the world. We count the cost. We accept the invitation and it will cost us everything. And we go into the marriage supper of the Lamb in preparation for Revelation 19 at this invitation that's being offered today. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in the scales and the hills in a balance? Who hath directed the Ruach of Yahuwah? You see, you reject the revelation of the first seal. You count the cost just too high. Then the third seal, the black horse comes forth, right? Because you found that cost just too high. And you find yourself then boxed in. You find yourself boxed in by death, which is that green horse, that fourth seal. And you find yourself boxed in by that second seal, that red horse. We already have the Wuhan red horse, if you will. And now we're finding that those that reject this invitation will be boxed in between death and the red horse. Do you see how the seals work? You reject the revelation of the first seal. You count the cost too high, the third seal. You find yourself boxed in by death the fourth seal, and judgment, the second seal. You see, this is an unveiling of the book of Revelation because, as it is written, the revelation of Yahushua Messiah, which Yahweh gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which shortly must come to pass. This isn't supposed to be complicated to us. It's only complicated when we are stuck in the muddy tire tracks of our minds. But when you just say, hang on a minute, what does the Bible say? Why, do I, why have I believed the lie? What has been presented to me, but what does the scripture present to me? Is this something that was prophesied through the psalmists, through the prophets? from the mountain all the way forward? Is this thematically Malkitzedic in origin? Is this confirmed by the writers of the Bible? This is the revelation, I believe, that is being shown to us. Think about Passover, back in the book of Shemot, Exodus. A time of judgment comes. Ten plagues come. Finally, the last rider is the death of the firstborn. And with the last rider, those enter into the house and find safety from the severest of judgment. The first now we find the first shall be last, but here we find the last shall be first 
it's the same Passover. Come into the house as the lamb brings forth the first seal. And if you don't, outside of the house is the greatest of judgments that this world has ever seen. Greater than the tenth plague of Egypt. This world will be hit with ten plagues all at once. Once those that reject the first seal find themselves boxed in between the second and the fourth. Because death will be everywhere. But it's not for those who come in under the Passover lamb. It's always been about the lamb. It's always the lamb. It always will be the lamb. It is the lamb, the lamb, the lamb of Yahuwah. Always. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. It's the first and the last in the Passover plan of Yahuwah. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, you better gird up the loins of your mind. You had better be sober and hope the end for the grace that which is brought unto you at the revelation of Yahushua. This first seal is grace that is being offered to you by the revelation of the ready writer that rides out as a king anointed as Messiah to make judgment over his enemies. This is the final option. There is no others. There is no others. This is the final option. This revelation pertains to Yahweh's throne, the judgment, the scroll, and the lamb receiving the book. I think it's everywhere. Everywhere. Isaiah chapter 62 verse 11. Behold, Yahweh has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. You mean he's the ready writer riding on his horse with a seal that he's offering with him? We've come to the point where we must number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom so that we can dwell in the secret place of the Most High and as priests after the order of Melchizedek, we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This revelation shall deliver his Melchizedek priesthood from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence that comes from Wuhan, China because of that red bloody horse that is then going to box people in and they're going to find themselves with the plague of death. Revelation 19 verifies the events of the first seal. Let's read Revelation 19. And after these things I heard a great voice of many people in the heavens saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power to Yahweh our Elohim. For true and zadik, righteous are his judgments. He has judged the great whore who did corrupt the earth with her fornication and has avenged the bloods of his servants at her hand. 
And again they said, Hallelujah! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four creatures fell down and they worshipped Yahuwah. And they sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise to our Elohim, all of you, his servants, and you that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, and the voice of the mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, the Master Yahuwah El Shaddai reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. She is clean and white, for the fine linen is the zadokah of the saints. The fine linen is the first seal. It's when you exchange the garments of theology. The garments of this world, you accept the invitation, you get the fine linen, and you come into the place of safety so that you do not have to suffer the subsequent apocalyptic horsemen riding out. But most will not know their Messiah's offer when he offers it to them because they believe the up is down, the black is white, and that it's the anti-Messiah that rides out with all of their mumbo-jumbo theology based upon two Greek words about a crown of victory and a crown of a king. Give me a break. They wouldn't know their Messiah if he stood before them. Yahuwah is true. Every man a liar and the Lamb of Yahuwah rides forth offering an invitation to all of us. He said to me, these are the true sayings of Yahweh, the true sayings of a ready writer, the ready writer who holds scribal pen to scroll. Do you not see? The true saying of Yahweh is to those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, being the first seal that calls us to the marriage supper. That is what the true saying of Yahuwah is. And it is supported by Psalm chapter 45. My heart is indicting a good true matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of the ready writer. And Revelation 19, verse 10, And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, See that you do it not. I am your fellow servant and from your Israelite brothers who have the testimony of Yahushua and worship Yahuwah. For the testimony of Yahushua is what? The spirit of prophecy. And I saw the heavens opened and see a white horse, here's the book ends, and the white horse and he who sat upon it was called what? Faithful and true. Here's your faithful and true saying. 
And in Zadokar righteousness, he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a long garment dipped in blood, and his name is called the Devar Yahuwah, the Word of Yahuwah. The wedding garment clothes us. The wedding garment is what shields us from Yahweh's judgment during the great tribulation and ushers us under his protective wings to prophesy throughout the great tribulation to those that are outside being judged because of their rejection of the first seal. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, and the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be... What time? At that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. The scroll, the invitation that was offered, that went forth. Daniel, by prophetic unction here, wrote, if we're to be found within the book, written in the book, then we'd see the light that we'd be found in the first seal. Because it's there within the first seal that Yahushua is revealed. Revelation 6 and Revelation 19 are bookends of the price of accepting or rejecting the proposal found in the first seal. I'll repeat that. It's of primary importance. Revelation 6 and Revelation 19 are Bookends of the price, of the price of either accepting or rejecting the proposal that is found within the first seal. Hosea chapter 2 verse 18, we'll finish up, that's a lot to lay on you, and then we'll take some questions. <laughs> You're all looking stunned. Hosea 2.18, I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth and will make them to lie down safely. There is peace. There is peace to us who are truly called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those who have an ear to listen to what the Ruach saith to the final generation. What is up is down. What is black is white. We have to come out of the muddy tire tracks of our mind and look at what the Bible says and listen to the spirit of prophecy. Because we live 
phenomenal times. Let's have a look and see if we have any questions today. Huh? Yahusha is riding. I got no, no questions today. Oh, all right. I'm kidding. It's loaded. The phone's blowing up, you banana boats. Where do we start? Of course there is. Let's have a go. Okay. All right. Question. Question. This question, Shabbat Shalom, Brian Price. Question, which seals have been opened? Well, you're getting ahead of me. That's next week where we do Revelation 6C. <laughs> but um, yes, the offer today, of course, being brought forth here is let's await this wonderful invitation of the first seal. Of the first seal. In fact, I was on the Shabbat Fellowship group this morning and Brandon much more. Shabbat Shalom, Brandon. He asked me this question about today's teaching. I don't know. He climbed up into my head somehow through prayer and prophecy and spiritual unction. And he asked me the question on the Shabbat Fellowship specifically about, well, hang on. How do we know that the rider in Revelation chapter 6 is the anti-Messiah? <laughs> so I was like, well... Um, I don't know what I said, but I, I, didn't give, I didn't give too much away, I hope. So, uh, let's see. What's that? Yeah, wait, be patient. All right, this is from Michelle Moneywell, deep down there in FEMA Region 9. Shabbat Shalom, Michelle. Michelle does a fabulous job for us here at Torah to the Tribes. And we're so thankful for you, dear sister. Question, does the anti-Messiah appear before the first seal is opened and the true Messiah shows? If so, how do we not get deceived by the anti-Messiah? How do we tell which is which? That is, of course, an, a phenomenal question. And I hope as we look into Revelation 6c next week that I'll be able to communicate that. Now, and like I shared on the Shabbat Fellowship this morning, and I'll share it to you guys this afternoon, I do have to be careful in the public persona and position that I am, knowing that we're on these platforms, it's really hard sometimes balance for me to be able, I want to share everything, but also I do know that, that there, there is spyware and, um, you know, once you put that out there on these platforms. So we have to be a little cautious, but I think we've got such good connections with our fellowship groups now that, that we can ask each other things through different platforms offline. But um, what was I saying? My point was this. I have received, I'm sure, from various, various brethren out there, hundreds of letters. And I'm astounded at just the study and the dedication um, of, of, of so many of you, so many of you. And um, 
I must say, not all of the calculations I understand. And there are different ideas about the calendar. And it's obviously a bone of contention for some. For me, it's not, because I really see something bigger. I see that there are, to those that are truly Yahuas, and you can read it in their writing by their, the way that they're truly, truly dedicated to him. And we've all made mistakes. All that to say this, I have seen so many very, very weighted calculations based upon where we're at in the prophetic timeline. And I'm talking at least a hundred, okay? And I'm talking it very detailed, very poured out by their heart and spirit. And you can tell these people have studied the Bible, truly, truly are seeking him. And out of all of those, I do not have one calculation after 2025. I'm just telling you. I don't know what that means. I don't have one. We live in some very, very strange times. Now, my wife just two nights ago was saying, Matthew, you need to stop being so apocalyptic. And I was grabbing something from the fridge, you know. And um, I'm like, well, honey, I am studying for the book of Revelation, so <laughs> I may be somewhat apocalyptic. But, you know, I'll try not be, to be too apocalyptic around the breakfast table. How about that? Because she came down for breakfast on last Sunday morning, and I said, honey, try this on. I mean, she was just waking up, and I stuck a hazard mask in her face. And I'm like, try this on. She, she hadn't even brushed her teeth, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> so it's like, oh, my goodness. Can I have some cereal or something first or a shower? So I do understand that. I get a little bit jazzed up. But I do find that interesting. The calculations, the calendaration. Larry, when was the great sign that we saw of Revelation 12? And what's the starware um, software you use? Yeah, yeah. Stellarium software. It's free, open source software. Yeah, Stellarium. And what was the date again? September 27th, 2017, I believe. Yeah, so using the Stellarium software, you look at that date, whether you agree or not, it does line up. Now you count 1,260 days from there, and you end up around Passover next year. What does that mean? Well, I'm just saying, that is just another thing that somebody has brought to me. And that brings us to 2021. But in all of these, you know, almost 100, I don't have anything after 2025 from the saints. And that's a lot of saints out there that are like-minded of the Malkizedic priesthood that are maybe even on different calculations and calendars, but I know are seeking him. And we're not... When, this, this is pretty interesting times, all I'm saying. Let's get some blooming questions. I am rattling on up here. I apologize. Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to get all through these. 
Everyone should go and get some peanuts and some sparkling water because apparently this is going to take quite a time. If you're still with us, give us some thumbs up. You guys in the chat, give us some thumbs up. Keep those comments going because we love it. Subscribe to the channel. Every single one of you out now, hit subscribe. It doesn't take that long. Come on, you've stuck with us to the end. If you're hate watching, you've got to give us some thumbs up too. And we do thank a couple of you out there that do hate watch diligently every single week every single week want to thank you for that because you know what it does give us a little bit of balance we do need at least two thumbs down just so it looks real so keep the hate watching up i pray yahweh turns your heart you wicked little bastards now bastard is a king james bible word but i apologize for you that have children out there teach them educate them based upon the King James Bible, and you'll be okay, because really, you shouldn't be so easily offended. I get to say two cuss words as a Bible teacher. I just said one, and the other one you can ride on, like a donkey, and I don't need to say that. Those are the two I get to say, and I also get to say hell. And I use them as frequently as I can because I have King Jimmy license. And those of you that get offended, too bad. Go read your King Jimmy. So, there you have it. Has Yahusha, this is, um, okay, let's go back here. I got a great comment, comment from Donna. Shabbat Shalom, Donna. Again, I love Donna's comments. Woohoo! I can, I can go with that one. That was her comment. That's an easy one, isn't it? All right. This um, question is from Quinton Quinton Fester. Shabbat Shalom, Quinton. Shabbat Shalom, Matthew. Is China or Sino one of Ham's sons? Is the destruction of China mentioned in Ezekiel? I'm praying for you, your family, and your team. God bless. Thank you so much, Quinton. Um, I don't know about that. I, I really don't. I know we were talking this morning on the Shabbat Fellowship about the Gog and the Magog, and people can attribute those to various countries. But I do just think right now that uh, they do have to signal of the things that they're going to be doing, okay? It's part of Satan's laws and kingdom, which, of course, are all a fabrication. But they do have to let you know what they're doing before they're doing. They were speaking about the Wuhan virus. Somebody sent me a book. I forget what it is. Put it up in the chat. Um, the, in 1981, the book was published. And um, it, it totally goes through the whole plot of how this virus would be spread from Wuhan, China. And um, that was written in 1981, so it's crazy. Oh, Matthew, you're on last week's questions? What are you talking about? I am? Oh, hang on, I am? Scrolled, I scrolled up too far. Okay, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting messages coming in here. Let's try another one. Oh, here's a great question. Alison Taylor. Shabbat Shalom, Matthew. Please clarify how is Yahushua's invitation being offered in the first seal? 
Is he to appear again or is it through the Ruach? It's through the spirit of prophecy. It's through the Ruach. It's going out as we speak today. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Brian Price, Shabbat Shalom again. Question, how do we accept the invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb? First and foremost, through the contrite heart of accepting Yahushua into our lives as our Savior, and then accepting and understanding that he has given us the Torah based upon better promises. He is the Melchizedek high priest. And right now, by having the clear understanding of who is on the horse in Revelation 6.1, will give you the clarity to accept that invitation. That is the invitation of acceptance. And the revelation will come forth from there because now we will be seeing clearly from a place of safety. Does that make sense? So now is the time. Now is the time. Okay, let's see. Oh, Brian's got lots of questions. Does the invitation have anything to do with the parable of the ten virgins? Yes, I believe it does. I don't want to go into that right now. I'll be another half an hour knowing me, right? But yes, it does. Okay, let's see here. Oh, much more truth. Again, this is Brandon much more. I don't know. Brandon, would you get out of my head, please? He's asking me again. You have to wait till next week. Again, Matthew, Shabbat Shalom. Who, what is the restrainer in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7? Now, I don't know how long Brandon has been with us here at Torah to the Tribes, but he's very active online and just does a phenomenal job, again, answering questions. And um, it just gives a great answer. And um, again, great questions. I really, this brother is just on fire, on fire and on, right on fire, man. I mean, he, this, I don't know where this guy came from, but Yahweh is working mightily in his life. And we are blessed to have him be a part of our ministry. But uh, would you now climb out of my head, please? We'll wait till next week, see? All right. This one from Robert Edwards. Are Christians supposed to... Su Robert must be new to Torah to the tribes, and we are blessed to have you here, brother. Robert Edwards, are Christians supposed to support Zionism or reject it? Is Zionism from Yahuwah, from Elohim? Or, excuse me, let me reread that. I do apologize, Robert. Are Christians supposed to support Zionism or reject it? Is Zionism from God of the devil? I think he's saying, is Zionism from God or from the devil? So Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, that you've joined us this week. Um, Zionism, there's a difference between biblical Zionism, which is all about Yahuwah's kingdom, and 20th, well, I would say 19th, 20th, and 21st century Zionism, which was founded by the occult, wicked Luciferian and, of course, um, being exported to the nations. We are to reject holy. Christian Zionism is so dangerous. Messianic Zionism is so dangerous. 
and it is something that must not be confused with the truth of biblical Zionism. So we're just blessed that you found this ministry, and I recommend that you watch the teach in the synagogue of Satan that we do have here on the channel. Now, I must say, there's another uh, a guy, um, I believe his name is Rick Wiles of True News, um, a super conservative believer. I believe he was a Sabbath, is a Sabbath keeper. He doesn't, you know, put it out there too much. Many people watch the True News channel. He does a phenomenal job. This guy's from Texas, right? Super conservative, super straight-laced, great theology, many, many, many um, great, great um, broadcasts his, he's done. I was just watching his news channel on the way to work this week. Gone. Totally deplatformed from YouTube. The censorship and all he had done is identify that the state of Israel and the Zionism that is going on there is not biblical Zionism. And all he spoke about was identifying who the synagogue of Satan was. So again, the deplatforming and the censorship is absolutely crazy now because we have got to a judiciary level where it is now being adjudicated across all platforms down to the common man. It really is not the America that I came to 25 years ago. Let's have a look and see. So, this is see. this question from Matthew Miles Leonard. Shabbat Shalom, Matthew. Um, what seal are we in now? Again, great question. I hope to tackle these next week in Revelation 6c. Um, Brian Price, question. How will the protection of the judgments take place? Well, identification of truth is paramount. And with the identification of truth comes what? It's just like being a gemologist. Gemologists don't study cubic zirconia. Gemologists study the real deal. So when a fake comes along, you can spot it just like that. This is authenticity of the scripture, not, of course, fabrication of religion. How will we be protected? Because the spirit is now revealing the lamb riding forth with the first seal is in fact the lamb of Yahweh slain before the foundation of the world. And therefore now we prepare to come into the place of safety at the feasts and festivals of Yahuwah. We prepare for these days ahead because now we should anticipate as this revelation is going forth that the subsequent riders are going to appear on of course the horizon. Do you think that's the, the, the riders are appearing? Well, right now, it seems that we are in a time where that question must be meditated on extremely, extremely long and seriously. Okay. Linda Oster, Shabbat Shalom, Linda. Question, where... 
Do you believe the wedding feast will take place? Where do we? Well, that goes to do you believe in a premillennial return of Yahushua or a postmillennial return of Yahushua? Then, not only when does the fe- where does the feast take place, but where is the preparation for the feast once you accept the invitation? That's the first thing. Because he's going to, if you were going to go to a marriage, would you go somewhere to prepare for it and to make sure that you were ready? And then you would go to it and celebrate. But during your time of preparation, would you be in your inner chamber? Would that be a place of safety for you? Or would you be preparing for a festival out in the middle of the motorway? with danger and peril all around. No. So the first thing is, where do we go for the place of preparation because we've received the invitation? Then we'll get to Revelation 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb. In the meantime, all of those ensuing judgments of Revelation 6, 3, the second rider, onward are ensuing and going out into the nations. Okay. Let's see, I think we... Oh, I've got lots more here. I don't think I'm going to get through all of these. Okay, here's a good question. Jerry Wands. Question for Matthew. Explain the two crowns. Well, that's that, again is the premise, the premise for the whole getting stuck in the tire tracks. Because you have to, you have to um, admit that there are two different Greek words that are used in the book of Revelation for the rider in Revelation chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 19. Therefore, religion, those that are stuck in the muddy tire tracks, hang their whole hat on these two different Greek words. Therefore, out of a faulty premise, drawing a faulty conclusion and setting you up for the anti-Messiah. Because they say that the first crown that is worn is a in the Greek, it is a, what's called a Stephanos, a Stephanos. And the Stephanos was traditionally a Roman crown that was given to a victor. So therefore, in their theologically warped minds, they're saying that this Antichrist victor rides out to conquer the nations in judgment. Whereas Yahushua, when he returns in a disconnected Revelation 19, is not wearing the Stephanos. He is wearing, of course, the diadema, which is the royal crown. And thus they are two different riders. I would rather not lay my whole salvific life during the Great Tribulation on some theological nut job who's Greeking me out on two crowns. 
I'd rather build a base from the Bible, from the Book of the Covenant offering at the first Passover and all of the subsequent writing of the Psalmsters, Isaiah, and looking at what has been presented today. And I reject that and draw a different conclusion. And I believe that's wisdom based upon the Bible. Did I used to believe that? For sure. I inherited it. I got put in the muddy tire tracks when I started going to church too. And I've had to clamber and dig myself out. This was a hard one to dig out. And I knew by digging myself out, I would raise a lot of objection by most who would rather stay in it. But I count the cost. It's a great cost, especially hosting this broadcast ministry. A lot of people are going to reject this. But you have to be true to the revelation. And I received the revelation through the Holy Spirit confirmed by the word of Yahuwah and are secure in the word of Yahuwah to be able to speak it. So I think it's just a phenomenal opportunity of blessing for us. Those are the two crowns, Stephanos and Diademus. Okay, we've got another question here from Mo Dus. Shabbat Shalom, Mo. Question, is Matthew 28 verse 19... And add in on immersion in the name of the Father, Son, and set-apart spirit. I don't understand that question. Um, yes, I think that last question that we received from Jerry Wands on the two crowns is a good way to finish today. And um, truly, truly, I pray that we would spend this week in prayer and preparation and meditate upon these things. Because I do understand that for many of us, it is the muddy tire tracks and that maybe this hasn't been presented before. Maybe it has. But weigh it in the balance because I do believe right now that we have got some apocalyptic equestrians that may have bolted out the gate early and there is no better time for the revelation and invitation of the first deal. Shabbat Shalom. Again, thanks for tuning in. Give us some thumbs up. Subscribe to this channel. Check out all of our platforms. And remember, register for the Passover. Torah to the tribes forward slash connect. It is April the 2nd through April the 5th. Ain't don't go away yet. Good news. I made a mistake on the website. You don't actually need any towels. You don't need any linens. You don't need any loincloths. It's all going to be prepared for you ahead of time at the Passover. You don't need to bring your bed linens. You don't need to bring your bath towels. But you do need to bring your hair nut nets and your toothbrushes. Greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Baruch Hashem. Or the broads. That's right. Out there, you still watching, and Shabbat Shalom.